Welcome to yet another episode of Shortcast Over Coffee. Before anything, I have to thank Aruna Ramakrishnan, the co-founder of Copernic Catalyst, for inspiring me to bring this story to you. The Spotify ad revenue from this episode will go towards the GoFundMe campaign to support Janvi Kandula's family. Janvi was unfortunately killed by a police patrol vehicle in pursuit in January 2023. If you wish to contribute, go to the link in the show notes. It will really help if you could spread the word so we can raise more funds. Let's now get into the episode. You must have heard of the Haber-Bosch process from high school. Yes, I'm talking of the exact same process that is used to make ammonia. Turns out there is more to Haber-Bosch than just this discovery and I want to bring you that story. In the early 20th century, Fritz Haber made one of the most important discoveries in history. How to pull nitrogen out of air to create ammonia, the key ingredient in synthetic fertilizer. Why was this so revolutionary? Well, up till then, crop yields were limited by the amount of nitrogen naturally present in the soil. There was no way for farmers to add more nitrogen. But Haber found a way to synthetically create ammonia by combining nitrogen from the air with hydrogen from natural gas under extremely high pressures and temperatures. Carl Bosch then figured how to scale this process for industrial production. All of a sudden, there was a limitless amount of fertilizer available. Farmers could increase yields like never before. This discovery is credited with feeding billions of people who otherwise wouldn't have been fed. Some call it the greatest invention of the 20th century. But this incredible innovation also had darker consequences. See, ammonia is explosive and poisonous. The same process that produced fertilizer could also be used to produce chemical weapons and explosives. Haber and Bosch's discovery fueled Germany's side in World War I. Their fertilizer plants quickly turned into weapons plants when war broke in Europe. Their ammonia synthesis made the war far more deadly than previous wars. The story of Haber himself also shows the moral complexities around his discovery. He was born in a Jewish family, but was secular and was well integrated into German society. Haber became fascinated with chemistry from a young age. He earned his PhD in chemistry and did pioneering research on the process of combustion. In the 1890s, scientists were trying to figure out how to synthesize ammonia from nitrogen and hydrogen. But they struggled with removing the nitrogen from air since the triple nitrogen bond was so strong. The brilliant Haber succeeded where others failed. The key was using a catalyst under high heat and immense pressure, up to 300 times the normal air pressure. Haber partnered with Carl Bosch, an engineer from the German chemical company BASF, to scale up the process for industrial production. It required massive machines and huge amount of energy. But between 1909 and 1913, Bosch was able to refine the process into something efficient and profitable on a grand scale. What amazing timing, because right after the Haber-Bosch process was perfected, World War I broke out. Germany was under blockade by Britain and couldn't access key agricultural resources from abroad. The ammonia from Haber and Bosch's factories kept its war machine running through the production of fertilizer and explosives. Some historians argue that the World War I would not have been possible without the Haber process. The synthetic fertilizer averted mass starvation in Germany. 
while the synthetic ammonia provided the raw materials for bombs, shells, and gases. Haber personally oversaw the development of deadly chlorine gas as a chemical weapon on the front lines of Belgium. His wife, Clara, also a chemist, objected so much to his immoral role that she committed suicide by shooting herself in the living room. And the very next day, Haber went to the Eastern Front to continue his gas tests. I don't know what this guy is made of, honestly. Though he was Jewish, he thought he was a German first. He did not see any contradiction between that and developing weapons against his own country. Even after the war, he continued to make poison gases for the German government under the cover of projects to make insecticides. One gas he invented was a cyanide-based gas named Zyklon B. This is quite ironic since Haber didn't realize that his gas was going to be used 15 years later in the Nazi death camps to kill his Jewish countrymen. Anyway, after Germany's defeat in 1918, Haber continued directing the Kaiser Wilhelm Institute for Chemistry. He went on to win the Nobel Prize for synthesis of ammonia in 1918. His nitrogen extraction invention spread quickly around the world, increasing agricultural productivity in the US, Canada, and elsewhere. By the 1930s, half the nitrogen in crops came from synthetic ammonia. But Haber's World War collaboration with the German military would come back to haunt him. When the Nazis rose to power in the 1930s, this Jewish war hero fell out of favor. The institute Haber had built dismissed him as director because of his Jewish heritage. He died of heart failure in 1934 while in exile in England. An ocean liner company even refused to transport his remains, leaving him stranded in Britain. His ammonia synthesis changed the world overwhelmingly for the better, but it also facilitated horrific destruction in World Wars I and II. Doesn't this story feel eerily similar to one gentleman who led the Manhattan Project? Anyway, let's move to Karl Bosch now. So Karl Bosch had fewer moral ambiguities around his legacy. He was focused on the business side of things in scaling up Haber's process. Born in 1874, Bosch rose through the ranks of BASF and, the, and became the director of its ammonia production in 1909. He immediately recognized the value of Haber's invention if it could be made more practical and economical on an industrial scale. Bosch solved huge engineering challenges to build pressurized reactors and ovens to produce necessary reactions continuously. By 1913, his company was operating the world's first large-scale ammonia plant. When World War I broke out, Bosch ensured Germany had a steady supply of both fertilizer and explosives. BASF plants, which is still a huge company by the way, produced more than 2 million tons of ammonia during the World War I, about 70% going to ammunitions. Unlike Haber though, Bosch did not directly participate in weaponizing chemicals, but his work was still essential to Germany's war capabilities. For his contributions, Bosch became the head of BASF in 1917. He modernized the company into one of the world's largest chemical manufacturers. Bosch also won the Nobel Prize for synthesis of ammonia along with Haber in 1931. Bosch died in 1942, living just long enough to see his synthesis method feed populations and fight fascism once again. Haber was regarded as a war criminal by the Allies, but was never prosecuted. Um, probably due to the political embarrassment it would have caused, you know, to prosecute a Nobel Prize winner for war crimes. 
Hebert decided he could no longer remain in the country he loved, so he fled to Switzerland. He remained there in self-imposed exile until his death some years later. Again, the irony was that the supreme patriot who had done so much to help the German war efforts was abandoned by his own country. In decades since, synthetic fertilizer use has spread globally. But its overuse is causing environmental crises like algae blooms and, and dead zones in waters downstream from farms. There are debates today about whether nitrogen fertilizer use needs to be scaled back to sustainable levels. With this, I'll end this episode, but I'll be back with another interesting story next time. Till then, peace.